do you believe that be part of going out there and helping people overcome obstacles and hope and things in their life has a lot to do with energy? Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. How so? Well, because I think, you know, I, I look at this concept, like when it comes to being a hope dealer or having the sense of hope, it's a sense of divine optimism. It's like where you're trusting some greater force in order to overcome your situation, your trial, you know, whatever it is that you're facing. Yeah. And so it's always attached to this like concept of belief and of faith. That's why I say I'm in the business of belief, because that's the thing I'm dealing is there's the potential that it could be better, you know? So when I look at the example of Jesus and I look at energy, it's really interesting because Jesus on a cross was holding two things in his hands, right? Yeah. You know, the positive and the negative. And what was he? The thing that was in between the positive and the negative, the dark and the light. You look at how energy operates, you know, the primary principle, the universal law around energy is the equal and opposite force in the other direction. Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader, right? Yeah. Like everything is equal. And so a lot of people are experiencing a lot of challenge right now, which is like they're experiencing like the negative riptides right. of negative riptides of the challenges of life and the fractures of life. And I don't know how I'm going to make enough money to figure this thing out. And I don't know how I'm going to get through this situation in my marriage. And I don't know how I'm going to help my kids with this scenario. And I don't know how I'm going to like, they're experiencing all the challenges of life because that I believe is a contracting energy yep. that's squeezing because a new birthing is coming. Right. We both have kids. Contractions are actually things that squeeze you in order to rebirth something new. So a lot of people who are like, I hate my job. I don't know what I'm doing. I want to do something different. Or they're feeling all of this, like life just squeezing the shit out of them. They're actually giving birth to something new. They just don't know it. Right. And that's the grand miss is you're not going through a crisis. You're going through an evolution. You're growing into the next version of who God created you to right, be. Right. And that's why you and I are here yep. because I know with 100% certainty that we're called to lead people through that transition. Absolutely. Because that's the hope. It's that you're not going to die and that everything's going to be okay. But I know that faith, hope without works is dead. We got to work through this scenario to get to the other side. And that's what we've done for each other too. Certainty is influence. Yeah. And when you feel and you know, like you and me know what we're supposed to be doing, what we're creating here, that is going to be more influential than us just having some good lines that we can rip. Totally. Like, and I think I asked that question because I was with a guy today and I had a moment where he was telling me something that I had heard from other people multiple times, but he said it was such certainty and conviction that I was like, yeah, you're right. It was around affirmation. Yeah. You know, it's like affirmations, blah, blah, blah. We've all heard it. Right. But he said it was such certainty that I was like a light bulb went off and I was like, you know, he's right. Hmm. I need to do that. And I think when you have certainty, if you're trying to help influence people, if you're trying to help give them hope, you can't be ho-hum about it. No. <laughs> yeah. Right? And That's why the stories are important, bro. Because like the come from has to create, there's three things I think that people are looking for right now more than anything. They're looking for confidence. Yeah. They're looking for clarity and they're looking for certainty. Those are the three C's. And if those things can find an insurmountable wave into someone's life, or where they have an increased level of certainty, an increased level of confidence, an increased level of clarity, I think they'll find that moment of the significance that they're looking for in order to make a great contribution. But contribution is a spiritual need. Yeah. It's not a human need. And you can't get to contribution until you go through those primary needs that people have. And certainty is the first one. 
Mm. We want certainty. And then guess what? We get bored. Yep. And then we're like, man, this sucks. This is so boring. Yeah. And now what do you want? Variety. Something that's more interesting. And so like, but when people's lives fracture, we got to go back to stage one. We talked about it before where it was like the opposite of hope is despair. Yep. And we all know, everybody watching this or listening to this, that people are either hopeful at times or they're in despair. Yeah. Right? And it seems like there's a struggle and a pull in the world that's going on right now of like, oh, you're like, those people are hopeful, they're doing great, or you got these people that are like, they're in despair. I think it's really, it's that transfer and pull of energy. But the, one of the frustrating things for me in my life is like when I look at people and I see where they're giving their energy to. Right. You know, like I, somebody said the other day, they were like, you know, well, they just suck the life out of me. And I was like, well, stop giving them the straw. Come on, dude. Right? Oh, that'll preach, yeah. And like you and me talked about this, like there's a lot of great, wonderful people out there, but you give your time and your energy to them and it's not matched. And I think that's the big struggle is like people are like, they they don't know where or they're misguiding where they're giving their attention and their energy to. That's right. So then they turn around and they're like, my life sucks. You know, it's not, and they, they blame it on losing, you know, they don't have hope. Well, maybe they just need to look at where they're spending their time and their energy. Absolutely. You know, but I know you, we were talking about this a little bit earlier. Um, you were talking about some of my qualities and characteristics. And one of my biggest, biggest downfalls is like, I just want to give everybody my time. I want to, I want to inherit their energy. Hmm. Right. And I want to help them. It's like, you know, I just feel so in college, uh, you know, probably shouldn't say this, but, <laughs> um, but my friends used to call me Captain Sabaho. <laughs> And the reason being is we'd go out places or we'd we'd meet girls and I'd be like, they'd be, oh, stay away from her. You know, she's trouble. Like, she's, like been, she's been around. Yeah. And I'd be like, no, she just misunderstood. Like, she just needs a good friend, you know, like, and I've always been like that. But man, I found as I'm getting older that that runs me into the ground. For sure. Right. And I heard someone say the other day, he said, when you start growing in your maturity of your life and your time and your business... You can be selfish, selfless, or selfish. And what he meant by that was, if you're selfless, um, I think I forget who it is, but it's it's, uh, it's not Gary Vee or Tim Keller, but one of them talks about it. He's like, if you're selfless, those people often will run themselves into the ground. Like yep. They don't end up getting to where they want to be. Mm -hmm. But if you're selfish, like just a... Mm. You understand, like, I, I have to make sure I take care of myself and then I'll take care of you. That's really where you can get to that next pinnacle of helping people. Yeah, dude. You know, you ever met somebody who just pours themselves into other people all the time, but they're pouring themselves into 500 different people? Yeah. And you're like, I'm getting a fraction of you. They would be better off saying, hey, I'm going to pour myself into 12 people. Yeah. Well, that's how Jesus did it. That's why I always go back to those simple models, because yeah. if Jesus was able to impact the world in the way that he did whether some people believe that it was factual or some people believe that it was mythological. I don't really care. I look at the value of the story. And it's interesting that tribes of 12 work. And in running masterminds and doing stuff, I've learned tribes of 12 work. And you feel it when, you know, only eight are there. And you feel it like if there's 16 or 20 there, like if the energy is a little bit different. And for some reason, I just go back to these divine simple truths of like, if Jesus had 12 disciples, great then I'll create tribes of 12 people in order to like maximize my contribution in the world. You're a lot more selective about who those people are. There's a lot more intentionality. There's a lot more of like, let's figure out 12 people who have all different skill sets so that we can create this thing that's really, you know, I think in a, in a positive way, 
it's like an ecosystem that can be self-sustaining. Uh, and so we're, each person can help out somebody else. You got a copywriter over here. You got a marketing dude over here. You have a, you know, um, whoa, 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 stop telling them about here. the Hope but, Dealer Mastermind. Oh, I, okay. That's, dude, I didn't even, I was even going to get there. Okay. Right? Let's tell them. No, we're not going to tell them. We'll uh. save that. <laughs> wow. But that's the thing is like when everyone has a different skill set, when everyone has a different, you know, thing that they're championing uniquely in who they are, it creates space and room for everyone to share their genius. It creates the gift set to be able to come alive because I think the greatest way for us to experience like more contribution in the world. And I learned this from David Meltzer, my mentor was, you know, by pressing the big red button, it's called asking. Yes. And isn't it so much easier to ask in the context of a group of people who you trust and who are your confidants and who want to see you win and they're willing to contribute and help you versus asking out into the ethos, right? To just like, so I think the concept of like hope for people is also like, I think a lot of people are really isolated and burnt out and they're like lost and they're alone. They don't even know who to ask for help right now. And I learned that asking for help is actually a skill. It's a skill to ask for help. You got to know how to ask for help. Right. And most people don't. Well, this is why people who, you know, uh, start having suicidal thoughts and depression and stuff, they don't ask for help because they don't want to be a burden on other people. It's another form of not knowing how to ask. For sure. I was talking to one of my friends the other day and he was just like, when I was going through the deepest, dark and mo darkest moments in my life, I just wouldn't talk about it because I didn't want to burden other people more. And that's like the exact opposite of what you have to do. And then he went on to say, he's like, but man, once you do ask, what's beautiful on the other side of it is like there's a complete other side of you and your gifts and your talents that are being darkened by the fact that you're not willing to reach out to other people. I always tell folks, especially in my business, like I'll tell them the greatest honor that I, you could give me is to ask me questions or ask that's me right. for help. Yep. Now, I might not always be able to fix it or say yes or have the solution, but man, it's a huge honor when you ask other people for help. And if we could start seeing that as a, as a gift that you're giving other people instead of a burden. That's right. Like we probably could help people, you know, through a lot of these despair moments that they're going through. Yeah, dude. I mean, case in point, if I was to ask you right now, like, listen, bro, here's what I'm trying to achieve. Uh, listen, dude, I want to do a podcast, but I need some help. You want to do it with me? Right. What does that do for you? It gives me like hope that I can, you know, have somebody by my side to help me accomplish what I'm trying to do. So, so it's, it's co-creative. Yeah. It's co-creative. It's, it's exciting. Because, it's also contribution because yeah. you feel, you find some value in me Absolutely. that I'm willing to help, you know, and vice versa. And so what does that create? It creates friendships and, yeah. and you know, relationships. And isn't that funny? Because you think about friendships and relationships, you, you know, the matched energy thing. Yeah. Like I've had a lot of people in my life that like they want the help and then you show up to give them the help and it's like, but you're doing all the work. Some people can't handle getting the help, bro. That's yeah. when helping hurts is when, you know, I'd say in business, like when people wield me in business, it's like, you know, they can't hold a pistol, but they're grabbing a bazooka. Mm -hmm. And that's like the hardest thing for me is like when my, the energy, the lessons learned, the stuff that I figured out when it can't be leveraged, like Nick Lauer, my homie right here, like stepping into his world and just like helping him and being like a confidant and just pushing him forward and helping him. He can handle the life lessons that I've learned and right. immediately integrate and implement it into the business. And you know, truth or lie, you'll probably have the biggest month of your business ever this month. We're halfway through it and we're already on track to crush the goal. Yeah. 
And so, and it's what the 13th. So that's the thing is like having that co-creative energy where it's not hero, you know, victim villain, which is the drama triangle of life. Nick said, Hey, I've brought a hundred percent and I know what I need support in and I know what I need to do different. And I'm like, Hey, I'm going to bring way that I think that I need to show up in the world, which is for me, it's to be an advisor to be Nick, what do you see? What, what do you see? What are some things that I need to do different? What are some areas of opportunity that I have to grow? What are those things? And that seeing that advisor role, that like speaking life and directing energy, it's, it is bombastic how powerful that is when done in the right co-creative space. And I think where people get tripped and where I've gotten tripped before, and maybe you have, is that that whole, I want to help and I want to serve in church ministry. You see the same person opening the door every Sunday and they're there just every Sunday, just slugging it out. And that's fine. But at some point there is a place of where heroing, saving the moment to help someone else because, oh man, I'm just so desperate and I need help. That victim will always turn into a villain and they always villainize the hero. And I've seen it so many times in, in business. They do. When you go to save someone and someone needs saving, right? It creates... You know, this is the problem in marriage when people say, well, you just complete me. It's like, hold on. I understand. That's a good rom-com line. But in reality, you don't complete each other. You bring wholeness of who you are into a co-creative relationship to build something great. And I feel like that's what we did here. Yeah. I told you the other night, I was like, dude, I've been running around. I feel like I've been running around my house, like figuratively in life, just ripping stuff out of the walls, like yeah. ripping cords that are plugged like energetic lines to people who just for the rest of my life will take. Yeah. They're just going to take. And trust me, I'm like, love, love giving. Right. Love giving. And I've spent so much of my life over giving. And finally, I said enough is enough. Energy is a, is a currency. And think of anything in your life. If you plug it into the wall in your house, are they going to charge you for yeah. plugging that thing in? Are the kilowatts going to go yeah, out? Of course. Hell yeah. Yeah. So energy is a it's currency. It's not finite. Not at all. And it's coming from somewhere. But we treat it like it's finite. Absolutely. And we usually give away our energy. Here's the thing. I know that by my desire, the way that God structured me, I need to wait for the invitation for people to, to engage with them. Now I can't hide. There's, there's a Gideon complex here. It doesn't mean that I just go hide and just go, well, I'm just going to hide here and see if anyone magically sees me. What I realized is I need to wait for the invitation from God to put me into the right places and situations to follow that thread. So my energy is honored when I'm there. You ever yeah. heard that quote? that God will your name in rooms before you get there. Yes. I believe that wholeheartedly. That's part of my hope and my contribution is that that statement rings true in my life. So how I position that is going like, well, that's true. Then I know there's people who are praying and asking God for a miracle. Right. That's not a victim story. That's a God, I want to create something great with you story. Right. So as long as their heart's in the right position. So what if I go on the reverse angle of that and go like, God, show me the people who are asking for help, the ones who want to co-create. God, send multipliers my way who I can help make a greater contribution in the world. Allow it to have such alignment that they're, that the whole concept, Psalm 91, that I will not knock my foot against the stone, that whatever we co-create together would bring glory to you where the tents will be expanded, where we can do more things and yeah. create more meaning in the world, whatever it is. So I'm doing the reverse angle. Do I not that trust that God's not going to give me that download when I'm intuitive in nature and God gives me the download and whenever I follow it, it always works. So, so we got to like get the shit out of our lives. That's yeah. the energy vampires and get all the shit that's draining the life out of us out or yeah. charge it. Someone wants to talk to you for an hour. 
Sometimes that's 20 grand. There's nothing wrong with that. And there's other people who I give free time to, but I've realized most of the people where it's just like free to be free to be free because I haven't created a boundary, usually that's conditioning. Nobody re- washes a rental car. Yeah. You know, that's why like I had the, the thought, like we talked about affirmations earlier. That's also like, what are we giving our energy to in our thoughts? Right. Like, there's so many people that are so busy telling themselves they can't do something or why they shouldn't, the victim thing that you talked about. That's not finite either. You know, those are moments in your in your head that are that, that they're not you, you don't have an infinite amount that you can just, you know, pull from. Why are we not telling ourselves more things like I am created to do great things, you know, like um so yeah, I think that helping people and this goes back to church too. Like one of my things has been like small groups is like people come they commit, they raise their hand real quick, right? Or they maybe even come to the first meeting. And then what happens to the next one and the following one? And then the fall, it's like pulling teeth to get people there, <laughs> right? And I know it may not be religious, but like, what about if you had a a, a, a men's group that you're like, hey, it's $100 a month to be a part of this. Yeah. Like these are guys that are like, you're going to come here and this is going to be valuable. And, you know, they're going to walk with you. And this ain't going to be like kumbaya. I think the reason why people like, you know, yeah, there's like some. Sorry, we're, little, we're, just chilling here. we're down here at the farm. We're recording, so, by the way, right? We're, we're good. Okay. Down here at the farm. So you open up that door, you got 500 bugs come in, right? Go right outside that door, man. I don't know if you got a poop hole out there, but I'll rip it, Brian. Scared. Yeah, we got a bathroom. <laughs> we got a bathroom. Oh, you, you do? use a bathroom. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, I lived in this thing for six months. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, Almost seven months. Yeah. So we, uh, we were in that crazy boom of real estate, and it was like somebody wanted to buy our house. We were like, well, we got three months left to finish our house, so we'll just go ahead and ask them if we could stay three months. It's a crazy market. Who knows? Right. We threw it out there on the contract. They said, yeah, sure, you could stay for three extra months in your house. We were like, cool, great. So we get to like two weeks before that three months is up, and we're like, our builder's like, oh, yeah, the house is behind like six to eight months. And we're like, because we knew we weren't going to make it. Wow. I mean, delay after delay, and it was just a supply chain crisis. And I was like, one night, I was like, Hey, babe, why don't we just go and live in the RV at a campground? It would be fun. <laughs> Man. Famous last So we were super hopeful <laughs> yeah. for about 30 days. Yeah. And then after, like, we were like, yeah. And it was the it was the toughest time of my life. Yeah, I believe it. I mean, being in, uh, you know, confined space, first world problems. It's a nice motorhome and everything. But living in a confined space with two children, two dogs, coming home every day. And it's like, do I want to sit on the couch or go to the bed um pulling up to your campground in antioch you know oh wow it was like it was cool for a while but it was really really super tough and you know how i got through it i told myself i said people are watching me and people are waiting to see how i handle this situation right and they're either gonna say man he was a kicking screaming spoiled baby building his nice house living in an rv or they're going to say, man, I bet you that wasn't easy, but look how he took it in strides. Yeah. So every time I was about to lose my shit, I just was like, somebody's watching, whether it's my kids, whether it's somebody that I'm sharing on social media. And I learned a lot through that just about myself. Yeah. And that's why I look at Nick and I'm like, the things that he's forcing himself into now, yeah. that less than 1% of the other people your age would do so, like, man, the growth that's going to happen from that. And like people are like, would you learn from living in the RV? You know what I learned? I learned courage. I learned even more courage than I thought I ever had to thrust myself into unknown situations 
and deal with it and find out what happens on the other side. So I think one part of people just having more hope and less despair in today's world right now is about saying, I'm going to thrust myself into this and it may not be fun, but what's going to be on the other side is going to be a beautiful thing. Yeah. You know, I went to Arizona for eight days. People are like, what are you going to Arizona for? I went voluntarily to an outpatient program to learn how to deal with the trauma in my life because I got tired of the pressure cooker building up. Yeah, dude. And I was like, I can either cope through drugs, alcohol, work, whatever, continue to be angry and bitter and just get worse. I was like, I literally saw myself as like this angry old Jewish man when I was like, <laughs> I was like, he's gonna, I'm going to be that guy. Yeah. Like, yeah, damn yeah. kids, you know, turn on your blinker. Get off my lawn. You're crushing my grass. Yeah. And I got so sick of it. I was like, I heard uh, Cody Sperber, the clever investor, you know, talk about it. And he said, uh, he said, I went to this place, PCS services out in Arizona. And I was like, what was that all about? And he told me, and for some reason I went to the website, signed up right away. And long story short, I thrusted myself in that situation for eight days. And it was the most powerful thing that I've probably gone through in my life. Yeah. Other than my trip to Israel that I told yeah, you about, yeah, yeah. you know, but powerful, um, dude. I think that's one thing that if I teach anybody anything through this, that's watching this is like when you're going through the shit, when you're going through the storm, like your chapters don't need to be your story. Like these are chapters. That's right. And now I look back in all those terrible situations and I'm trying to piece together a book. And one of my friends who's wrote some books, he goes, here's how you start. Just think of those moments and write the chapter. Yep. And then fill in the story and you'll compile them. And when you get 10 to 15 to 20 of those, then you'll line them up into what the chapters are the best. And there you go. You got your book. And I was yep. like, I never thought about that. So remember, these are just chapters and you're writing the book. Yeah. And you have to go through the valley to get to the mountaintop is what I always tell people. That's right. Victory's in the valley, bro. Petrified of that. Well, yeah, dude. I mean, you know what it's like when you're in the thick of it. You know, it's it's one of those things where I think some of us are built with natural optimism. And then I I've, I've met some people who are built with natural pessimism. The glass half empty, half full. Everybody's different. Stop talking about my family, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and they don't listen to the podcast that, anyway. There you so go. Don't worry. You know, it's a funny thing though, because you look at like that's how the energy balances. You know, like that's how life works is Without the pessimists, the optimists don't have purpose. And then it happens in reverse too. Like the, you know, you, you look the other way and like the optimists sometimes needs to be brought back down to a steady layer and to go like, okay, so what does this look like? You know, what are the, let's, let's count the costs before we build the house. Um, Why are so many people petrified of stepping into something? Like it just infuriates me because I see the potential in so many people and they won't even try something because they're afraid of the outcome that may never even occur. Social yeah. media is a good example. Like I meet so many friends that have so much value to bring by telling a story on a video that people can see and they're like, well, I don't like being on video. Like they're so petrified of what someone might think. Like, why is that? Like, how do you get over that? Like, I wanna help people with that. Yeah, I mean, the way that I've learned how to get over anything that has to do with the thoughts, opinions, or judgments of other people is that I stop judging myself. Ooh, that's good. Because the world is just a mirror to your internal reality. Yeah. So like when I learned how to finally get up there and just like go speak and, and do that, I just stopped judging myself. I just said, you know what? Dude, I spent 10 years of my life going like, I, I don't know how to put, I've tried for 10 years to, to build a, like a, an outline of a talk. 10 years. 
I don't know anybody else who's tried for 10 years no. to literally just establish a one page thing of a concrete idea and then like script it or have it like, okay, so if I do this formula, it was so painful, dude. When I used to go, like when I was in ministry, cause I never got asked to speak, which I'm so grateful for cause it built such a strong arm for me to know how to communicate well now. But I would listen to Bishop Jakes in one ear and at 11 o'clock at night, I'd go flip on the soundboard. That's why I know how to do all this stuff. Cause I figured it all out. And I'd be in the old church that said like 200 people and I would stand there and I would match the cadence and the tone of Bishop Jakes. And I would just learn how to find cadence and find rhythm and dude, countless, countless, countless nights by myself in there for two, three, four hours. Like you're slugging it out that time at night. That's hope. That's like, I you're trying to figure out a way of that. Your contribution being meaningful enough yep. that you can step into what you feel that you're called to do. And this is my firm belief. I truly believe this, and this goes especially to people who are feeling like they're, you know, experiencing th this hardship yep. when it comes to like overcoming the thoughts and judgments of other people. I truly believe that God calls people to the thing that they feel most unqualified to do, and that's what he qualifies them to do. Yes. But the funny thing is you have to have the master key, which is asking God for help. I think this is how he established it. He places a dream or a desire in our heart that's so deep that we can't shake it. Yeah. But we feel so damn unqualified because of all of our limited thoughts and judgments and the beliefs and the projections and the conditioning of other people that it screws up our perspective so much that the only hope that we have is that a miracle will happen where we can step into the thing that we feel called to do. But that requires God. It requires divine intervention. So wouldn't it be actually quite masterful that God would set it up that way? Yeah. That like you would feel this constant pull to do something specific, but you would feel so crazy unqualified for it, but it's deep within your soul. And yet at the same time, God pulls that steady line through and he says, actually, with my help, this will be the thing that le that you leverage in order to change the world and make it better. Oh, I believe it. I believe so, that God takes our brokenness, the most fragile, shattered, broken, insecure part of us, and leverages that into the, becoming the most beautiful thing about us that we appreciate not only about ourselves, but that other people then replicate and, and appreciate about us. You hit the nail on the head, dude. That is so true. And that moment right there defines where I'm, I'm at in my life. So at the age of six years old, I'm told my father dies. You're now the man of the house. You know, big boys don't cry. Uh, by the way, like gentlemen don't have, you know, aren't, don't get angry. So pretty screwed there. Basically, I have no emotions. Mm -hmm. And at the age of 12, I found out that he took his own life by jumping off the Verrazano Bridge in New York City. And so I went this whole life into my, like, my 30s seeking validation from a male figure in my life. Um, I couldn't find it, so I would find it in other things, work sex, drugs, rock and roll, all that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And I was on that mission, and then I had an encounter with God that we've talked about, and at that moment, I realized I have a father that validates me every day, my father That's in heaven, right? And now that fire has been burning so hot for so long, and it's been that thing where like 10 years, whatever, like you just said, like I was like, what do I do with it? What do I do with it? And then because I put myself out there and I shared that, then I got connected with Jim. Jim connected with me to you. 
And like, that's all because I, I took the steps to just put myself out there that's in right. social media world. That's how I met Jim. And now look where we're at and look what we're doing. And it's all coming full circle. Like, if, And so that goes back to the beginning of what we talked about here, which is, you know, to ask others for help. And that's what I did with you. I was like, dude, this is what I want to do. I got the motor home, right? You want to do it? Well, I don't know. Hey, I don't know how to do this. And you're like, well, I know how to do that part. Yep. And maybe we can just continue to push on that and, and encourage people around ask more, talk about it. You have to put yourself out there. You got to, you know, do uncomfortable things that maybe other people you're in your circle or age are not doing right now. Yep. And maybe that's the types of people that we can bring on here. Maybe we can even have people come on that want to be pushed into that. Yeah. Like we don't, I don't want this just to be like, I'll be honest with you. My insecurities are very prevalent right now. Like I've never done a podcast. I don't know. I don't know how to interview people, but I know one thing I know I, what I don't want. Mm -hmm. Like I don't want a podcast. that's just all fluff. I don't want a podcast. that's not unauthentic and doesn't tell real stories and talk about real shit. Yeah. Um, I don't want just famous people to come and interview. Mm -hmm. I'll, like we talked about on the last one, I was like, I want the dude who spent 20 years in prison because he made some mistakes at 18 years old. Yeah. How did you keep hope for 20 years, right? Um, people maybe that had children that were, you know, abducted and then they found them. Like all the way down to who's that person that held that job for 35 years, you know, and just stayed in that job that not a lot of people noticed, right? What do you want to accomplish with it before we go? Like what do you really hope to accomplish with this? You know, I, I've said it before, and if you've heard me speak, if, if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. I think the world is starving for a sense of encouragement. Yeah. And I believe the best way to change the world and to impact the world is by encouraging five people a day. So my hope is to encourage. And so that's it. It's super simple. I want someone to hear something, hopefully just one person hears one thing that shifts their perspective in one way for that day that just gets them through the next thing or that catalyzes them or that gets them to share with somebody else. Cause I think that that's the ultimate thing is like, yo, you got to see this one moment. Cause I think this is going to bring healing to your heart. I think this will give you perspective on your situation. I think this is going to encourage you in a way that maybe, you know, you never, you didn't see a way out of it, but a perspective flip, dude, that's, that's everything. That's what I do with a lot of people. I flip the goggles, you know, um, that's my desire. That's my hope is to encourage people. Well, you've helped. And, and dude, oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, man, you've encouraged me. Yeah. And you really helped me do some big flipping in my head of the way I looked at some things and made me think really, really big. And so I just want to tell you, I'm happy that I've got you in my life. I love you, bro. So, love you too. You know what? That's what we do. We flip the goggles. It's reverse. That's what right. we're doing on time. 10 seconds. seconds. All right. So I'm Sean. Snake. And we're the Hope Dealers. We look forward to seeing y'all and hopefully having you here on the Hope Wagon for a future interview. Hope dealer. Peace out. Dope healer. <laughs> that was Is that good? Yeah. All right. <laughs>